Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Today, we welcome Colonel Wade A. German and Dr. Heather S. Gregg, authors of Assessing Risk at the National Strategic Level, Visualization Tools for Military Planners, featured in Parameters Autumn 2021 issue. Colonel German is currently the commander of the 210th Field Artillery Brigade, Korea, and Dr. Gregg is a professor at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump right in. Visualization tools for military planners. We're talking about tools to assist strategic planners in assessing how U.S. military actions may produce national strategic risk. Your article discusses two visualization models U.S. military planners can use to capture compounding and cascading risk and identify risk during times of strategic surprise. If you would, please outline how the U.S. military addresses risk. From my standpoint, having done some of the research on this, the U.S. military tends to think of assessing risk in a very modular way. It will take an element and try and dissect that element and then determine how they can mitigate what they identify as the potential risk. So it's a step-by-step process. And most of the models and tools that they provide to either their leaders or commanders to do that, which are in checklist format. So it's very standardized. Here's what we assess the risk to be. Here's what we think the mitigation should be to be able to help mitigate that risk or a way to help lower the risk. But what it doesn't do very well, and what the tools that the military tends to provide commanders and leaders to do that with, it doesn't bring a lot of elements together and overlay them to see where risk tends to be compounded and then elevated within those gaps that they're not seeing. So you could have one portion, small element of the risk that is identified, a vehicle accident, where, hey, if they hadn't been driving, then we wouldn't maybe potentially have that accident. But what it doesn't do very well is overlay all of the elements that come in from outside of that. It just looks at one element within isolation, and then it looks at how we mitigate each of those elements individually. Heather, did you want to add anything? One of the things I learned from this project and and working with Colonel German is that The military has gotten very good at reducing risk in its tactics and in its day-to-day operations. But when you get to the strategic level, it gets infinitely more complex and it requires thinking beyond the military and actually even thinking about how actions that the military can take can have effects on other instruments of national power and our strategy as a whole. So that complexity is something that the military maybe hasn't developed models or thought about as extensively as tactical and operational risk. That's a great point. In fact, I'm curious, what is national strategic risk and how is it different from military risk? Absolutely. So one of the predominant elements or or major differences within this is the fact that at the national level, you have to look at all of those other elements of national power that play into the risk, if not directly, without a doubt, indirectly and will affect an operation, whether it be a military operation, a State Department operation, whatever the case may be. You know, the diplomatic aspect that plays into this, we always use the dot metal, right, or the dime effect, Um, diplomatic effect, the information environment, 
Obviously, the military plays a role in that, even if it's a different operation, not specifically military in nature. And then, of course, economics, right? Economics play into all forms of national level events and risk has to be played within that model as well. So I think that is just a starting point when you talk about national risk, because it's never in isolation. There are always so many other elements on the periphery, if not directly injecting themselves into that event that have to be accounted for. I would just add that time is also a fascinating variable and what happens to risk over time. So something that could be acceptable in a short time frame, it can affect risk quite differently when you bring time in. How do the tools that your article introduces, the National Strategic Risk Abacus and the National Risk Radar Chart come into play here? So what we tried to do is obviously for strategic leaders, they're always trying to look at a way to visually see a problem. Most leaders and, and people in general tend to be very visual nowadays. When you use, again, going back to the kind of most of the way that the tools and models have been designed so far for assessing risk in checklist formats and or descriptions, which descriptions are great and fantastic and help lay out the problem. It's not a great way for a lot of senior leaders who have very short time to try and be able to receive information and then digest that information can do that. And so sometimes if you can identify a visual representation of what you're trying to describe, it will help quickly resonate with people. And so that's what we tried to do. And in looking at that, we kind of developed these two models that we thought tried to capture the complexities of risk, because that's the challenge, right? It has to be simple enough that you can quickly grasp what you're trying to describe, but not so complex that it takes 500 charts to do it. And so that's where the risk abacus kind of came in. It was a visual tool to show in representation of a sliding scale, like an abacus is, where risk can really be compounded from multiple elements. And as they're overlaid and the beads move in aligned or become misaligned, you can see where certain elements of a particular problem set may tend to increase risk knowingly or unknowingly or not increase the risk or where you may have lower ends of the risk scale and where you can assume more risk. And so that's what the risk abacus was really trying to describe and portray visually as a way to represent that risk. Another model that we tried to look at too, and this is one that the Department of Homeland Security has been using well within some of their modeling for actually the pandemic, has been the radar risk or plot chart or spider chart. And what that does is, again, it's just another visualization tool to try and overlay various elements of risk that can be defined by the individuals that are assessing this with various elements. They can define what elements they want to specifically look at and then give those elements equations, mathematical points that they can use to say this is the strength and scale at which it is, and then overlay that. And as those get overlaid on top of each other, it creates this kind of bug splat pattern that basically then you're able to see where either risk may be compounded from different elements and increase, or where risk may be not as high as you assumed or an area with which you do want to assume some risk or can assume risk as a leader. Heather, do you have something you want to add to that maybe? So these ideas were Wade's ideas, and it was a really wonderful opportunity for me. But the way I think about the two models is the abacus is a quick and dirty model. Say, for example, you have a moment of strategic surprise. You can take the abacus and quickly try to assess how military action might affect the other instruments of national power and maybe a few other variables. 
And then as you better understand the problem and what the complexity of it is, you can plot that on a radar chart, which allows for more variables. So the two can work in tandem with one another, which I think is exciting. I don't have any more questions. I think we might have a few extra minutes. Do you have any final thoughts? Well, I, I want, I appreciate you inviting us on. Risk is extremely hard at any echelon, whether it's tactical, whether it's operational, or whether it's obviously as we're trying to help identify, you know, national and strategic level. And so this is just maybe one additional method or model that may help assess, help provide another method by which leaders can try and either visualize or describe their problem as they're trying to look at this at very difficult and complex issues and challenges that they're trying to deal with at the national and strategic level. So in no way, shape, or form do any of our models completely capture all of it, but hopefully it just adds to and, and will help somebody else out there as, as they try and work through some very, very challenging issues. You know, we obviously live in, in a complex world, and this isn't a new development, but it's exciting to be part of efforts to try to capture that complexity and, and mitigate risk and try to do that in different ways. So it's an honor that Parameters accepted this article. We're really grateful for that. We're hoping to influence that discussion further. Wonderful. Well, we were glad to have you in Parameters. Thank you so much for uh, making time for us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Really an honor. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, look for us on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and any other major podcast platform.